Hello, I'm Paula Boddington. I'm going to be giving a general introduction to some topics in ethics and genomics research. I'm working on the Procardis Ethics Programme. The Procardis Consortium is a consortium of scientists across Europe who are doing research into cardiovascular genetics. They're based in various European countries, including the UK, Sweden, Italy, Germany and Spain and France and they're conducting research into the genetic basis of coronary artery disease. The research aims to improve our understandings of the underlying biological mechanisms behind coronary artery disease with the eventual aim of producing better treatment. Procardis scientists have recruited several thousand cases of patients who've suffered from myocardial infarction, which is heart attack, together with healthy controls, people who have not suffered from a heart attack who are roughly equivalent in age. Information about each person's health was collected together with a sample of blood. Blood samples were tested for various traits and DNA was extracted. Genome-wide association scans have been performed on the DNA to discover points of genetic difference between cases and controls with the aim of finding differences which might hold clues to explain why some people suffer from coronary artery disease and not others. In another talk, I'll be saying more about what a genome-wide association scan is. More information about Procardis can be found at their website, www.procardis.org. This includes a newsletter about the ethics programme, which I write and post every three months on the website. Cardiovascular disease and genetics is something that we need to look at before we can explain a bit more about what the Procardis research is doing and to give some background to the sorts of ethical issues that might arise. Cardiovascular disease is a common complex disorder, meaning that it's caused by a mixture of different factors. These include factors such as your genetic inheritance. They also include well-known factors such as diet, smoking, which is one of the major risk factors, and exercise. Early life factors such as conditions in the womb are also thought by many researchers to be important in deciding, in determining the risk that you have for developing cardiovascular disease in later life. And there are other factors such as social and environmental conditions. So for instance, situations of stress and environmental pollutants are also important factors in developing cardiovascular disease and heart disease. Now, the prevalence of cardiovascular disease has increased in developing nations since industrialisation, although in some developed nations it's now been falling, whereas in others it's rising. In many developing nations, as industrialisation and development occurs, it's rapidly becoming more common and rapidly representing a major global health burden. Genetic factors can only account for some of the reasons for cardiovascular disease, but research into genetics may lead to a better understanding of who is most at risk, a better understanding of the underlying biology, a better understanding of what different forms of cardiovascular disease there are, and hopefully, eventually, to ways of preventing and treating the disease. Now, why has this consortium of scientists got a programme for looking at ethical issues? Surely, trying to research into cardiovascular disease is a really great thing to do. Why is there any need to consider ethics? In this talk, I'm going to give a bit of a basic background to why there's an interest in research ethics 
in general, and why there's also an interest in ethics in relation to genetics in particular. This is just a very, very brief overview. Historically, ethical issues in medical research received a huge amount of attention following revelations of horrendous abuses by Nazis in experimenting on prisoners, often resulting in their deaths. There are other well-known examples of medical research that helped to shape current laws, current laws and regulations. One of these examples is, for instance, the syphilis study that took place in the southern United States between the 1930s and the 1970s, which took a cohort of black American men who were known to be suffering from syphilis and tracked the progress of the disease for many years without informing the men that they themselves had syphilis. It's also important that during the course of this study, cures for syphilis in the forms of antibiotics became available but were not given to these men. Horrendous abuses like this have helped to shape codes of medical research. The Nuremberg Code was drawn up in 1947 in the immediate aftermath of the Second World War to protect the subjects of clinical research. Likewise, the Declaration of Helsinki from the World Medical Association gives ethical principles for medical research involving human subjects. It was first stated in 1964 and has been regularly updated, the last update being 2008. So routinely, ethics committees oversee the conduct of any medical research involving humans. Now in particular, genetics has also received a great deal of ethical scrutiny. And this also is partly for historical reasons. One of the major reasons why a lot of people are uncomfortable or concerned about developments in genetics is because of a history of policies such as enforced sterilization of certain members of a population deemed not fit to reproduce. These practices notoriously occurred within Nazi Germany, but they also occurred in other countries in the first half of the 20th century, countries including the USA and Sweden. In particular, Nazi ideology that certain peoples were racially superior and others racially inferior has also led to concerns that knowledge of genetics might be abused. The development of techniques to manipulate reproduction and in, to introduce genetic selection have also raised many concerns. Another broad concern might be that focus on genetics might perhaps divert attention away from other issues such as social and economic inequalities. So here, I'm going to introduce you to ELSI. ELSI, E-L-S-I, stands for Ethical, Legal and Social Implications. And it's an acronym widely used for those who are doing research into the ethical, social and legal implications of medical practice in general, but in particular, it's become associated with research into genetics. In the United States, a portion of a budget the huge budget, it might be said, which was set aside for research into genetics around the sequencing of the human genome, was reserved for work looking at the ethical implications. James Watson, who was one of the co-discoverers of the structure of DNA, in fact suggested this. Um, it's quite amusing, actually, that he suggested this to the US Senate, suggesting 3% of the budget should be put aside for ELSI work, and Al Gore immediately said, why not 5%? So on the basis of this quick decision, it was set to 5%. So there's a huge amount of work in ELSI occurring in the United States, and there's also an awful lot of work in other countries, such as in the UK and throughout Europe. And this work is typically undertaken by interdisciplinary groups of lawyers, 
philosophers, ethicists and social scientists, working in conjunction with research scientists, clinicians and policy makers. But does genetics really need all this attention? I'm going to introduce the term genetic exceptionalism. Genetic exceptionalism is the idea that genetics is special in some way. Some people have argued that genetic information is unique. Particular power of genetic information is such that it takes a special place in medical information. It's also said that genetic information is particularly important for notions of individual identity and as such it deserves particular attention. Genetics is particularly crucial in working out who we are. Therefore, we should place a great deal of attention on ethical issues related to genetics. Others, however, are much more sceptical of such claims. It's important to bear in mind that also often a lot of hype around genetics. Genetics is, is often talked about as being really important fabulously important, the most important thing, there's a huge impetus, we must do this research, we must do this research really quickly. There's some truth in that, but it's also very important to watch out for overstatements. When we're looking at genetics, it's something which comes along all the time. So it's important to bear in mind that claims about genetics may be exaggerated or they may not be. Genetic exceptionalism may be overstated and we're going to be looking very carefully at how genetics is similar to other medical information and how it might differ. Now I mentioned that we've got codes of research regulation. These stem from Nuremberg, from Helsinki and many developments since then. There are protections for research subjects built in to national law and into ethics research regulation throughout the world. So why are we looking at these issues in relation to research into genetics? We've got codes of research regulation, aren't they good enough? The very broad answer to that is that developments in science, in genomics and in technology are presenting us with new angles on ethical issues and they're challenging current models of the ethical and legal regulation of research. And in this talk and in other talks, I'm going to be telling you more about what those challenges are. It's also important at this point to mention that there are very many different kinds of research in genetics to be clear about the sorts of research that I'm talking about and the sort of research that Procardis Consortium is doing. There's a lot of research which is often discussed in the media involving genetic modification, such as genetic engineering, to try to cure certain genetic diseases. There's also a lot of research on embryos and stem cells, which involves a con genetic component. The sort of research that the Procardis Consortium is doing and that I'm concerned with in this talk is research in genomics, which is looking at genetic information, which is looking at the information within the genome of individuals, within their the variation patterns of DNA, especially the patterns of variation in DNA, which might help to explain disease, which might help to explain why some people are more susceptible to certain diseases than others, why some people develop particular diseases, whereas others remain disease-free. So the research in genomics that I'm talking about, not research which is directly doing genetic engineering, not research which is doing lab work looking at the manipulation of embryos, but research in genomics which is taking healthy and diseased individuals and looking inside their DNA for clues for patterns of disease and health. Now, research regulation. 
research ethics regulations were drawn up initially, as we've seen initially in the aftermath of the Second World War, but have been developed since. And they were drawn up to protect individual subjects from abuses in clinical research. The emphasis was on protecting individuals from harm, such as from harm that might be caused by the administration of novel drugs, which hadn't yet been tested. They were drawn up to protect individuals from being simply used by experimenters as Nazi experimenters had used individuals. They'd been drawn up to make sure that individuals could protect themselves and individuals knew what was going on. A lot of the problems with some of the unethical research, such as the syphilis study that I mentioned earlier, was that the people involved in the research hadn't been told what was happening. So from this, there are some key basic elements of research regulation. An individual must give informed consent to taking part in research. An individual must be told what it is that they're going to be doing, be given a reasonable explanation of what possible risks there are, and freely consent to taking part in research. So it's routinely explained that taking part in research will have no difference to your medical treatment. Researchers also undertake to protect the privacy of medical information. Just as when you go to see your doctor, the medical record is kept confidential, researchers also undertake to protect the privacy of any information generated from research. And also it's crucial that research participants are also routinely told that they can decide to withdraw at any time. So for instance, if you've volunteered for a research program where you've decided that you're going to volunteer to take a new drug, if you decide that after a while the side effects are terrible and you can't stand it, you're free to withdraw at any time. That's an important protection of the individual rights. Now, research in genomics differs in certain important respects from standard research in clinical medicine. Much genomics research involves collecting information from patients and controls and collecting, for example, a small blood sample, which is then tested for various conditions, various factors in the blood, and from which DNA is extracted. In this, it differs from most clinical research. You're not actually intervening in the person taking part in the research. You're simply collecting information from them. Usually, the biggest intervention is the collection of a blood sample, which for most people is slightly uncomfortable, but not really a huge deal. So the typical risks of research in genomics don't relate to the risk of potential physical harms that you might perhaps suffer if you were taking a novel drug or if you were undertaking novel surgical procedure. But typical risks relate to the information which is generated by the genomics research. Concerns which have been voiced about the information collected from genomics research include the protection of this genetic information and its possible misuses. And this is one of the areas where a lot of people have been concerned that genetic information is special because it's particularly powerful. Genetic information is powerful because with even just a small section of the genetic information from one person's DNA, it's possible to identify an individual. And it's possible, and increasingly possible, to be able to tell an awful lot about that individual from the genetic information. It's also of huge interest that genetic information doesn't only concern the individual, but it might have great relevance to related individuals 
and to communities and population groups. Individuals who are genetically related share certain parts of their DNA, so information about one person may have implications for another person. There are concerns expressed about how well informed consent can be in genomics research. Genomics research is often highly complex, and importantly, it's not just that it's very complex, it's swiftly evolving. So for instance, in a research project, you may collect samples, collect blood and extract DNA. The techniques used for analysing that DNA have just in the last few years become so much more powerful that it's impossible to do things with the DNA that you couldn't do perhaps when the blood samples were originally collected. So it's been said, how can you possibly give fully informed consent because we don't know where the future directions of research lie? It's also the case that withdrawal of samples and data may be problematic in some genomics research. If the data has already been used, and importantly in a lot of genomics research, data is shared amongst large consortia of scientists, it may be problematic to withdraw that data. These are all topics that need to be looked at in more detail. Much genomics research involves collaboration with other projects. There's usually a need for very large sample sizes involving thousands of recruits. Much of a collaboration in genomics research is international in nature, so samples and data are shared across borders. It can be difficult to predict the future direction of research in genomics. So what I've hoped to do in this short talk is to give a brief introduction to some of the major reasons why it's important to look at issues of genetics in relation to medical research and in particular in relation to research in genomics. I've introduced very briefly some of the key reasons why there are difficulties and issues that need to be looked at and in other talks I will look in more detail at the sort of scientific research that the Procardis Consortium is doing and the sorts of particular issues that arise from research of this nature.